0: Today's, today's the second Sunday of Lent, which began back on Ash Wednesday and runs the 40 days minus Sundays uh, throughout Easter, uh, and it's similar really in a lot of ways to the season of Advent leading up to Christmas, but I think it's a lot less understood. Uh, I think maybe it's easy for, uh, for us to get Advent because you know it's normal for us to look forward to something like the kids for instance right they start looking forward to December 25th before fall is even over Uh, so so when we talk about Advent being a time of looking forward to Christmas we get that Uh, and Easter we get it's that that joyous day of Christ's resurrection where we marvel at the miracle of the empty tomb but you know the solemnity and the self-reflection that comes uh, before Easter is something that not very many Christians actually practice much anymore Because the message of Lent is much different and and much harder to understand. It's a message of looking at ourselves as we really are. It's a message of uh, reflecting on our own inner needs and honestly facing our temptations while at the same time finding strength in Scripture and ultimately uh, looking to Christ and seeing His willingness to be our loving Savior. Uh, which, which is the real intent and the underlying meaning of the psalm that you so beautifully sang this morning and uh, that we're going to read in our text this morning from Psalm 84. So I hope you have your Bibles with you. If you do, join me there in Psalm 84 as we continue our series. Because for those of you that are just uh, joining us today for the first time, we've been doing an expository series through the psalms, and we started at one, and 84 weeks later, here we are. Uh, So this is Psalm 84. It's superscribed to the choir master according to the Gittith, a psalm of the sons of Korah. They write, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts! My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Selah. And remember that just as a musical cue to stop and think about what you've just sung or read. He continues, Blessed are those whose strength is in you and whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob, Selah. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does He withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. And brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord to us today. Let's pray. God, our Father, as we have opened our Bibles, we ask you to open now our hearts by your Holy Spirit. Make these ancient scriptures come alive within us, Father, to inspire, to heal, to cleanse, to teach, to restore and to guide our hearts and minds in the way of him who is the very way the truth and the life even jesus christ your son in whose name we pray amen so uh if you remember way back in june of 2018 when we started this journey through the book of psalms we emphasized the fact that uh, the psalms were the only book of the bible written by god to god so in other words they're god's divinely inspired handbook for public worship and designed not simply to be read, but to be sung like we did this morning. Uh, not only by the ancient Israelites, but by all of God's people. Because ultimately, they are all about God's beloved Son. They're about, they're about His glory and His kingdom. They're about His life and His mission. And, and particularly during this season of Lent, uh, one element of it is His anguish and suffering on our behalf during His temptation in the wilderness that we find in the lectionary readings that come up for today in the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, It kind of spans through chapters 3 and 4, and I'm not going to read all of it to you, but just a portion. Matthew chapter 3, beginning in verse 16, we read, After His baptism, as Jesus came up out of the waters, the heavens were opened, and He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on Him. And a voice from heaven said, This is My dearly loved Son who brings Me great joy. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. This is chapter 4. For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry. During that time the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus said to him, No, the Scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple. And he said, if you are the Son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he'll order his angels to protect you and they'll they'll hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, the scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. And next the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give all of it to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him, for the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. And then the devil went away and angels came and took care of Jesus. So a very, very familiar passage, but liturgically the season of Lent usually kicks off with uh, the reading of the temptation of Jesus and his 40 days in the wilderness. That's the reason the season of Lent is 40 days long to coincide with those 40 days in the wilderness and the story takes off right after jesus baptism by john in the jordan river Uh, right after that that great moment that jesus comes up from the water and he sees heaven opened Uh, he sees the holy spirit descending like a dove and he hears this voice from heaven saying this is my beloved son in whom i am well pleased Uh, and, and all of these things acknowledging that jesus is that bridge that's now available between god and man Uh, That access to God is made in Himself and not in in any religion or in any law or uh, anything, but just in the person and work of Christ here on earth uh, and ultimately at the cross. Uh, And and this is where that journey begins. Uh, Because before He ever preached a sermon, before He ever healed a single person, before He ever had a single convert, Jesus is led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit to be tempted by the devil to abandon the whole plan before it ever started. Uh, And not just in some half-hearted kind of way. uh, These were no phony temptations. The devil made some pretty enticing offers. Because if you remember, Jesus, by coming to earth to live as a a human man, willingly chose to take on all of our infirmities. He he got hungry. He got tired. He felt physical pain. He experienced the heights and depths of emotions, just like every human being does. Uh, All the things we experience... And you can really kind of see the depths of that today, in in Psalm eighty four. And I think, you know, sometimes we can use our sacred imagination to uh, realize how well Jesus knew Scripture. And I can almost imagine him during his desert wanderings in those forty days, with nothing to sustain him but the word of God, that he may have sang softly to himself, or even maybe cried out, "How my soul longs, faints for the for the courts of the Lord." Even the sparrow finds a home and a swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young at your altars o lord of hosts but then thinking but here here i am in the wilderness Uh, here here i am father to be that second adam who's going to keep your law and, and and do your will and be ready to redeem a remnant people for you not just from israel but from all of humanity by living a life before you that none of them ever could And we know that because Ephesians 2, 1 says to to each of us, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He's the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. And so do do you see how we look from God's perspective? See, that's why we need a Savior who could live the perfect life that we couldn't. Because even though, you know, as Brother Gene always says, we're all upright and breathing here this morning, uh, if we're outside of Christ, we're all really just dead. Dead on the inside. And it's only after God helps us understand that truth that we become delivered from the lies that we habitually tell ourselves. uh, From the lie that says we're all just basically good people trying to do good things and live in a good society and focus on the achievements of self. Because the truth is, None of it is about us. You see, the gospel, the the good news, always originates with God and not with me. It originates with God's nature and not mine because God is not like us. Brothers and sisters, God alone is holy. God alone is just. God alone is righteous. And that's a good thing because as evangelist Paul Washer often says, it would be a terrifying thing if the universe and this reality had been created by an evil God. Just think about that for a moment. An omnipotent being that was morally corrupt would be a living nightmare. So it's good that God is holy. It's good that He's just. But it also presents us with a really big problem because if God is just, what does He do with me? What does He do with you? The Bible says we've all sinned. We've all sinned against God. We've all sinned against each other. We've all sinned against nature. And everything around us calls for our condemnation before a God who is not just good, but holy, and not just holy, but just. And the only thing that can bridge that gigantic gap between the two extremes of God and me is found in Jesus Christ. It's found in his life of active obedience and in his selfless suffering and in his perfect willingness to submit to the humiliating death on the cross. Because he it's only there on the cross where we see the unique revelation of the fullness of God's divine nature that That God is just, so He has to condemn our sins. But God is love, so He became a man in the person of Jesus who came and lived a perfect, sinless life and goes to the cross where all of the justice and wrath of God that I deserve was thrown down on Him instead for our redemption. And so that our hearts and minds could be open, and so that we could hear from God and so we'll be delivered from the vanity and the delusion of this world and our diseased affections in just the same way that our Lord Jesus modeled for us in those 40 days in His ordeal and His temptation to sin by uh, really enticing Him to take the easy way out. Uh, encouraging Him to choose another way other than the way of the cross. And, and you know, if you, were, if you were paying attention to the readings, those temptations start out pretty harmless Uh, concerning that first one we read uh, Matthew 4 3 uh, if you are the son of God tell this stones to become loaves of bread and so here the devil starts out questioning Jesus divinity and challenging him to prove his power by using it for his own personal comfort to satisfy his desires his hunger right 40 days I don't think I can go to 40 minutes without food Uh, 40 days without food Jesus I'm going to go straight home and eat lunch you guys already know that Jesus was famished and the devil tempted him with probably the first thing that was on his mind. Food. But Jesus' response is, no, the Scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And quoting to Satan directly from Deuteronomy chapter 8. Because like we talked about in Sunday school this morning, Scripture can only be interpreted by other Scriptures. So uh, if you turn really quickly to Deuteronomy chapter 8, and this is God speaking through Moses to the children of Israel. And says uh, in verse 2, remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness these 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove your character. Yes, he humbled you. He humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna. And he did it to teach you that people do not live by bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And here's the clincher in verse 17. He did all of this so you would never say to yourself, I have achieved this with my own strength and energy. You see, Jesus didn't just pull this scripture out of the hat. He knew it and he understood its context. And the point of Deuteronomy chapter 8 is that God is the source of provision, not our own efforts. And that his word is the source of strength and that Jesus is relying on it to resist temptation and setting an example for us that we should do the same. Even in weakness and in suffering and intense hunger uh, and Jesus says he's not going to live for his own appetites, but he's going to live to follow God's will because for him, God comes first. Because you see, brothers and sisters, you don't have to be superhuman to resist the devil. You just have to be supernaturally connected to the truths of God's word. Okay? You don't have to be superhuman to resist the devil. You just have to be supernaturally connected to the truths of his word. And now you, you may even ask, well, what would, what would be the big deal if Jesus turned a few stones into a couple of loaves of bread? So what? What? Uh, why wouldn't that have been okay and the answer is because it's the beginning of a slippery slope because you see if jesus were to use just a little of his power now to avoid the discomfort of hunger what might he be tempted to do with the greater pain of the cross because you know little compromises never stay little do they as we've said so many times and i think it's on the back of the bulletin this week a little sin will take you further than you wanted to go will cost you more than you wanted to spend and will keep you longer than you wanted to stay uh, but jesus denies himself life's temporary pleasures if it's going to violate god's intentions trusting the truth of psalm 84 that's our text today no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly and that takes us to temptation number two then the the devil took him took jesus uh, to the holy city to jerusalem to the highest point of the temple and he said if you're the son of god jump off for the scriptures say he'll, he'll order his angels to protect you. They'll hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. And so here the devil takes Jesus to the top of the temple of Jerusalem. And now this time he tries to turn the tables and he quotes Psalm 91 to Jesus, challenging him to prove his divinity and test God by jumping off the peak of the temple. But what a weird te- What a bizarre test, right? Why would he do that? Why would Jesus even be temple- tempted to jump off the top of the temple? But you see what the devil is basically saying here is, if you're the Messiah, then let's get this show started. Why, what are you hiding out here in the wilderness for? The devil says God will protect you, so if you really are this Messiah, then jumping from the top of the temple will be a great way to get a huge audience to notice you. What could be a more dramatic entrance into Jerusalem, right? But we come back again to intention. And see what the devil's real motive here, uh, and the answer to that is he, he wants to tempt Jesus into self-glorification because see think about this if jesus were to jump off the top of the temple and, and and come floating down into the court on the wings of angels all the worshipers in the temple would have seen jesus descending from heaven exactly the way they would have expected an earthly messiah to arrive uh it would have been a pretty amazing spectacle right and people would have immediately wanted to make jesus their king because remember they had already tried to do that earlier but his life from then on would have been one of earthly political power and earthly military authority and earthly glory but that's not why jesus came is it i mean he didn't come to be a king at all much less the king of the tiny little nation of israel but he came to be a humble servant and to accomplish the purpose of god and that purpose was to be a sinless sin offering for all of mankind and so again he takes a a step back from self-interest and from a possible shortcut into the hearts of the people to honor the intention of the Father and mirroring for us the truth that it's better to let God exalt us rather than we ourselves. Uh, Because it's better in the words of today's psalm, which I love, to be a doorkeeper in the house of God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. And that takes us to temptation number three. And, And here the devil finally pulls out all the stops and he tells Jesus, all of this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. So the devil takes Jesus even higher to the top of a mountain. He shows him all of earth's offerings. Uh, And and a lot of times messages on this text kind of focus on the worldly uh, treasure and all the worldly pleasures out there that the devil may be offering. But what I want you to see here is that, that the temptation here for Jesus is even bigger than all of that. Because the devil's offer to surrender all of the world to Jesus would have also included giving up the devil's destructive influence he has over the planet. See, the devil would be giving up his power to hurt and to cause pain and to inflict suffering. He'd be laying down his power to wreck destruction and chaos. And what could Jesus, as our loving Lord, want more than not to see His people suffer? Right? But the exchange would have come at a horrendous cost because instead of bowing to the intention and the will of God, Jesus would have had to bow to the devil. The very thing that Satan has craved since before his fall. For him to be worshipped in place of God. Violating the very thing, that the divine intention that Satan was made for. Because uh, don't forget, he was made to be God's chief worshipper. Not to be worshipped himself. And that really proves what <clears throat> uh, Robbie Zacharias uh, has said. And that's, violation of purpose is the essence of evil. Right? Violation of purpose is the essence of evil. And I want to explain what I mean by that. See, Satan's purpose was to worship God, and he violated that. Uh, And that's the same with every area of life, right? With money, food, and sex, and authority, family relationships, entertainment. They all have a great beneficial purpose, but the violation of any of their intended purposes can have devastating consequences. And you know, that fact highlights something else, and we talked about this in Sunday School a little bit, Uh, that the devil is concealing in this offer you know even if he gave up all of his power to distort those things you and i can mess them up all on our own couldn't we right we don't really we don't really need any help from the devil to cause pain to someone else or destruction in the world do we Uh, so the trade-off would have been for nothing because we freely choose to sin all on our own but of course jesus already knew that and in the end Jesus rebukes the devil and flat out refuses that final offer, saying, away from me, for it is written, Worship the Lord God and serve only Him. As he closes this out with Scripture too, answering the devil directly from Exodus chapter 20, verse 3, when he says, uh, in the Ten Commandments, you shall have no other God before me. You see, Jesus will serve only God and honor only His plan and His intention for His people and, and turn down this offer to have what sounds like everything and so Jesus denies himself the cheap and easy road for the third time and, and at this the devil finally left because there was nothing else he could offer. He'd offered Jesus everything and he'd turned everything down. But, but each of these, and this is, this is where it kind of becomes personal and applicational, each of these temptations of Jesus are the same temptations you and I face every day. Seeking to satisfy our own needs instead of God's plan manipulating God even through good works to try to attain our own goals or trying to sidestep God's plan in an effort to have it all but do it in our own way. And, and by denying these three temptations, Jesus denies Himself. And, and you know, for us, uh, waiting at the end of this Lenten season is Holy Week. And at the end of Holy Week still waits the cross. Uh, and is there for all who have accepted Christ Uh, and a place where all of our failings can come to rest. It's it's there that all of our, our sins are nailed. It's there that we find the dividing line between truth and lies. And it's the only reliable place to judge our intentions against the sovereign will of God. It's there on the cross that we receive freedom from burdens of our own making, freedom from sin that taints our souls, freedom from the penalty of death that we deserve, Christ takes them all, and as the Son of God, he, he takes the hard road and dies for you and me. That's what we need to remember during this Lenten season. Jesus didn't take the easy road to bring us all just temporary relief. He took the hard road, securing the promises for us that because of Him, you can actually you can read yourself into Psalm 84 today and, and, and say, Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praises. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. They go from strength to strength, for the Lord God is a sun and shield, and blessed is the one who trusts in Him. Amen? Let's pray together. Father God, we thank You so much uh, that You have sent Your Son to be our sun and shield, to be our protector, to be our Savior, uh, to take this life that we've messed up all on our own uh, and make it new in Jesus Christ. And so we ask that You'd be with us as we go out this week that you would guard and protect us from temptation and you would give us the strength and the words and the will to seek your face uh, and to do all that you would have us to do. In Jesus' name, amen.